What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Living Electric. We got a we got a pack show today. We've got some some updates about our last episode, uh, Tesla opening up the the supercharger network. It's all kind of broken and official now, so we're going to start off chatting about that. And then our kind of bulk of the episode will be talking about threats to long term EV adoption. So just some things we've seen, you know, since being in the industry a long time now, being EV fans, just following everything that's going on things that maybe aren't trending the right way or <laughs> things that really need to be figured out before EVs kind of hit mainstream. We've hit, you know, a lot of new people are buying EVs, but, you know, we're starting to see as more people are out there, there's obviously more problems now that are arising because so many people are driving electric. But good to see, but there's still a lot that needs improved. So, Yes, yeah. And with Tesla opening up their, well, some of their superchargers yeah. to non-Tesla EVs, that's a good you know, step in the right direction. Right. Yeah. So we, we saw that kind of break as official. Um, Tesla had their investor day yesterday. We're recording this on a Thursday. Um, but yeah, they kind of officially announced it on Twitter before the event and then chatted kind of some more in depth. But they're they're doing a pilot like they did in some other countries where it's, you know, they've got 10 sites that are open for non-Tesla vehicles. Um using the magic dock which we discussed in the last episode i've seen some videos now of people actually going out to try it out so um yeah. excited to eventually go try it out at some point i know they're in new york so it's kind of far for me to get to but a little bit closer to yeah. you in cleveland yes yeah and we, we are going this weekend in our mini cooper that uh you know gets around like 100 miles in good temperature <laughs> <laughs> to go to fredonia new york to try out the magic docks so we're pretty excited to see what the experience is like right but i mean from everything it's the tesla experience i mean like it's not quite as easy as if you just pulled up in a tesla where you just plug it in and it starts charging at a supercharger yeah. there's a little bit extra steps you know you need to use the mobile uh app you need to select which stall and then you know a little bit but it's still very simple from what i've yeah. seen so um, I'm, I'm pretty excited to give, give, you know, give it a chance, <laughs> give it a shot. Right. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I, I agree. It looks, it looks pretty simple. I think they, they've done it in a smart way. I think the, the biggest thing too, is like, I've seen a lot of coverage on it at this point. It's like, and I'm sure you'll cover, you know, checking it out, but <laughs> it's like, it's, it's clear. This is a pilot. I'm curious how they, my biggest question is, are they going to change kind of future site layouts for sites that are going to add this so that it kind of makes more sense for all vehicles, not just Tesla's. So that was a big thing yeah. I think I took away. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I took away too, because I've seen it time and time just from like the past 24, 48 hours where people are already concerned with cars blocking essentially two spaces just to accommodate yeah. their charge port. Right. And from what I've seen, and I'm going to try to describe this as best as I can, but like the, the best layout for superchargers are where the superchargers are in a row in the middle of a parking spot, like, you know, parking lot and they're back to back. So the Tesla, like the superchargers are kind of facing almost like, um, like a butterfly wing, if you want to think of it that way. Oh, you know, okay. Like so they're like open. in the middle and then you've got spaces on every, either side. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Versus like where, you know, they're just in a line and you have to back up into the space or pull in. Cause mm -hmm. that's essentially where, at least from what I'm seeing with people with like, um, mach -E's or F-150 Lightnings, it kind of accommodates their charge port a little bit better when the Tesla, when the um, supercharger is reversed in a way, like where the gotcha. magic dock is essentially on the other side versus it's on the right side versus the left side. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Hard to describe visually when <laughs> on a <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> yeah. Just so check out Twitter. It goes this way. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> yeah. Just check out Twitter. I'm sure you'll see a post on it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. 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 Excited to see where so. that goes. Obviously, it's just a pilot right now. Um, I'm guessing they're kind of gearing up for a lot of this NEVI funding that is coming to say, like, hey, we can build CCS sites as well. We've got high reliability. Like, the only thing they need to add, and I think I mentioned this on maybe it's LinkedIn or something, but they do need to add a credit card reader if they are going to be like fully oh. Nevi compliant. So yeah. I'm not sure if Tesla's going to add some sort of kiosk where it's like, hey, swipe your card here, choose your stall, and then we'll start charging or what that's going to look like. But that's uh, that part I think is is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see how that plays out. I, I, I know the one thing that actually surprised me the most is some people are having um, like uh, charging issues in terms of like the power output based on their specific vehicle. Right. It's, it, it's actually kind of reversed to what you would think it is. So like, you know, um, have you done some research on the specs of like the adapter and like what the supercharger output is? I'm sure you're, you're familiar A little bit. That. Yeah. Yeah. So, so from what I've known, and shout out to my boss Matt, he was, <laughs> we were talking about this today. The adapter maxes out at about 375 amps. So, oh, um, like the Magic okay. Dock adapter or the CCS adapter. So, cars that have higher battery voltage aren't charging as quickly as, say, like a 400 volt battery architect vehicle. Mm. Um, so, like the Lucid Air, even though it has 900 volts, like battery architecture, it's maxing out at 50 kilowatts. Versus like a Mach-E or like a Lightning maxing out about like 120 or 130 kilowatts. So um, so there's a lot of complaints in that aspect, but it's the limitation of the hardware. But I think a yeah. lot of people expected to pull up and get 250 kilowatts, and that's not how it's playing out for people. So interesting. I'm curious to know if like Tesla is just going to learn from that and improve it. But I can't imagine pulling up in a Lucid thinking you're going to get, you know, the full 250 and you get 50. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be a little frustrating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So th that's, that's the aspect that kind of blew my mind as like, we're watching this kind of play out in real time with people testing their vehicles. Right. So, you know, just be mindful, you know, if you have an 800 volt vehicle, like a, you know, a Hyundai Ioniq five or like an EV Kia EV six, you're not going to see that high, you know, rate of charge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. good to know. And I mean, this is a, I'm glad they are doing a pilot too. It's not like they've just said, hey, a quarter of our superchargers are now CCS enabled because I feel yeah. like that would just cause a frenzy. Like they wouldn't be able to learn and adapt as quickly. <laughs> Whereas yes. 10 sites, they can manage a little bit more than, you know, hundreds. So yeah, yeah. We'll, see, we'll see where everything goes. Yeah, I know. I'm, cur I'm curious. So definitely. So speaking of, you know, what, uh, Tesla's obviously opening up their network. There's a reason for them doing that, I think. I mean, <laughs> I think business-wise, obviously, but I think they see, you know, the struggles other networks are having. Um, and I think that that is one of the big things uh, that we've talked about on the show before. I think we did a whole kind of episode on it of, like, what are some of these threats to long-term EV adoption? I think the, the charging network or just charging infrastructure as a whole could definitely be one and is one thing that needs vastly improved. Yeah, no, definitely. And, and you know, that's where I'm like with this whole pilot with the superchargers, they're going to figure this out to improve it. But yeah. it is a step in the right direction because Tesla has proven time and time again, their charging network is way more reliable than these other, you know, major networks right. here in the U.S. Um, but yeah, the so well, how, how do you want to start this with the conversation about threats? You want to just dive right into that? I, topic yeah, we're, we're going. So I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, I I think one of the made like the major threats to EV adoption and I just want to preface this, you know, we're, we're talking about this lightly, you know, obviously these are all hurdles that this industry as well as owners are just going to have to work through to make things better in general. Um, right. So, so yeah, charging station experiences, you know, it's been kind of in the top, in the headlines. Well, I'm going to say headlines because it's been, you know, a pretty popular topic as of a few months ago, right. You know, as people started having more issues with electrify America, EVgo, the conversation of station reliability really kind of boiled to, you know, boiled up in recent weeks. And I, I definitely think that that's going to be the biggest threat to EV adoption is if a brand new person who is getting into an EV expects every single charging station to be reliable and like 100% reliable, and then they start having those bad experiences, it's going to tarnish the rest of that ownership for them. Right. Um, so, yeah. And I've heard that anecdotally from a lot of people too. It's like, oh, I like, I was doing a road trip with my wife or whatever. And like, we had to stop at a charging station for an hour. And like they said, we're not buying another, like we're trading in our EV for another car. Like sometimes that's all it takes is one bad experience with like a, a new product, if you will, to like just completely put people off and not want them to ever try it again. So I think we've said, you know, time and time again, EVs are new new products. We're still figuring a lot of stuff out. Like you do have to be patient with some of this stuff because it is so new. Um, but like that's not necessarily an excuse either. Like people should realistically go to a charging station e expect it to work. Like I think that's a reasonable assumption. You go to gas stations assuming that it's going to work. If that gas station doesn't work, you'll just go to the next one that's right across the road. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> gas has gotten to the point where it's yeah. like it's just kind of taken for granted and. I don't think that's a that's a bad thing. It's just the industry is matured enough where it's like, yeah, you can just expect to get gas wherever you're going, and it's not something you ever think about. So yeah, yeah, like we're we're gonna be able to get there with charging. It's just gonna take a lot more work, a lot of like very focused efforts, like clear plans. Like people just got to be really engaged that like the charging experience m makes or breaks EVs for some people. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and the thing to, you know, discuss too is that not everybody's going to have the patience to right. <laughs> to, to deal with it. I mean, yeah. like, as you mentioned, you know, some people are just going to walk away. And I, I think that that's not to, like, put the responsibility on the people who do have the patience to work through these issues is it's so important to report the problems directly to the networks, you know, so they can look into it. Well, I'm going to say, hopefully look into it, you know, because from time and time again, it seems like some chargers could be broken for months, depending on, you know, who owns them. But it's still good to make people aware, you know, to have the time or take the time to make people aware that the charger is broken. So hopefully it does get fixed. But that expectation shouldn't fall on everybody because not right. everybody's going to have that, you know, <laughs> yeah. the patience to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Somebody yeah. posted a photo on on LinkedIn and it was like, oh, I carry around like a Torx bit so I can like fix these charging plugs that like sometimes break at these stations I go to a lot. And it's like that should not be like a reasonable expectation of a driver to no. like, just to be able to charge their car. One, it's like can be unsafe if like that person isn't trained or is doing things like unsafely. And two, like that, like just to charge their car, that's not something you should ever expect drivers to do. So no. Yeah. I think just yeah. the whole I mean, charging experience needs to be, <laughs> needs to be yeah. improved a lot. We've said it time yeah. and time again. So, 
Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we're beating a dead horse when right. we say it over and over again. But, I mean, kudos to that driver for, for taking the effort. <laughs> right, yeah. You know, sometimes I guess it does take the gorilla, gorilla approach to it. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely think one of the biggest threats is going to be public charging and the experience. Yeah. You know, versus just, like, a station being on or, you know, like, even, like, even just like working in general, you still have the other hurdles, you know, like membership fees, you have the different mobile apps, you have different, you know, RFID cards. Like we actually have like a small wallet that we keep in our Tesla that is filled <laughs> with RFID cards just in case if we run, come across like a specific network. Yeah. Because some mobile apps don't work quite as well as other ones. And, you know, RFID cards might be easier in some aspects. Right. And um, yeah, I, I just think like the you know, kind of like balancing and like organizing all of that is pretty intimidating for some people. Right. Um, especially if you're not the type of driver that carries all the gas reward cards, you know, like if you don't have a Speedway reward card, <laughs> right? Yeah. you just go and get your gas and get going. But right. yeah. Yeah. I think networks always need an option for like a no account sign up. Like that's okay. If yes. you want to give like discounted charging or whatever, if somebody signs up for your app, sets up an account, preloads a balance, like all that stuff, that's fine. But like, think you always need like a quick and easy option to just activate a charging session <laughs> so <laughs> yes um and i think that's something nevi like is very much requiring they basically have said like in basically every requirement like you cannot require people to have a membership to use your station so it's okay to have that option but it's not it should not be a requirement so i'm glad we're we're definitely headed that direction definitely now i do, I do have a question for you um yeah. like talking about like discounted prices and stuff like that do you think free charging is a threat to EV adoption? Ooh, is free charging a threat? Um, I think potentially. I think it, it's similar to the even like a broken station. It's like if you are used to people kind of abusing the free charging just because it's, you know, close to the front of the lot or like just, you know, they can charge up for free. Like it could certainly put people off to be like, oh, these like EV drivers are entitled and they're just doing it to get free charging or whatever else. So I think potentially it's like a lot of other kind of free things. Like it can kind of leave a bad taste in your mouth if you're like, that person's clearly just like taking advantage of what's supposed to be like an amenity. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, the, I, I, it's like kind of an unfair example, but like if somebody's handing out like free water or something, it's like the person that takes like five of them instead of just like, Oh, I'll just oh, take this one yeah. for like what I need. <laughs> so yeah. it can just be kind of tacky. So <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Don't know. I only do that when like candy's being handed out. <laughs> oh yeah. Candy. Totally different. Yeah. yeah take as yeah. much candy as I need. <laughs> <laughs> but. well i'm I'm gonna drop some free consulting for the industry just i mean when i say consulting this is just an idea that popped in my head <laughs> if so like you know the gas stations have rewards and you know like coffee shops have rewards like punch cards and stuff like that there should be a reward system where if you get to like 10 charge sessions you get one free like i think that that would be pretty cool to like have something like that you know like it's just like a nice little card yeah yeah. yeah, you know, spend three hundred dollars worth of charging, get one free <laughs> or something. Doesn't isn't EVGo starting something similar to that, where it's like a rewards type system? Yeah, I think I signed I, up for I, it, but I haven't seen a ton of like info on it. I don't know any information on okay. it. All I saw was the tweet. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to look into that. So yeah. we'll skip yeah, we'll that. <laughs> I, I I love using EVGo's charging station, so I'll have to look into that as well. Yeah. Auto charge has made things so simple for us. That's good. Yeah. I still got to try yeah. that out. Yeah, um, oh, that's great. 
I was going to ask you, so like when you were first looking into EVs and like going to buy your EV, is there one specific thing that you were almost like waiting on or like a, a personal hurdle where you're like, hey, I don't want to jump into it until this is ready? Uh, so, well, it's, it's, it's a point we have on our list, um, so it could be a good transition. Uh, cost. <laughs> cost yeah. was a big factor um with with getting into an ev because at the time you know like i was in college i really wanted to get into something that was electrified and um nothing at the time obviously you know this was like 2015 2016 was in our <laughs> right. price range um yeah. except you know the chevy volt that we found for twelve thousand dollars that was you know that was definitely like in our price point but like right. everything else was just so expensive and it was almost intimidating and kind of disheartening at the same time it's like well i really want to do this but I can't, you know, I financially right. cannot do that. So um, I think the biggest hurdle for me, it wasn't the fact that like the infrastructure wasn't really there at the time, um, you know, like, or, um, you know, like charging options at home or anything like that. It was just the initial cost of getting into a EV. Yeah. 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 I agree as what well. I think that was the, that was one of the big ones was just, you know, saving up money for an EV. And I think that is like, for some, for a lot of people, like a car is not like what they're trying to make money to buy, like or try to make money for to then go buy, right? It might be you know going out to a nice dinner or like buying a house. Like people have other like non car financial goals, so <laughs> I think to pin that on people to be like, oh yeah, you should be thinking about buying an EV, like it should be in line with a similar like car purchase. And I think we've started to see that with like new vehicles, um, but even mm -hmm. used ones like. I think for a lot of the used EVs out there, there's certainly some good ones now, but the uh, still some of the used EVs out there that are affordable, like kind of that, you know, 15,000 to 20,000 range are not something you would necessarily want as your primary vehicle, right? It might yeah. be a secondary, like around town car or something like that. Not necessarily where you're like, okay, like I can buy this and I'll be good for all the trips I need to take. So I think that is still a hurdle we've got to overcome. That was a personal hurdle of mine, obviously, like just saving up money for it. Um, and then on the uh, other side of that, it was also just like the charging infrastructure piece. So like I lived in an apartment when I first bought mine. I just charging kind of network and uh, not necessarily reliability, but just even access to charging, right? Like where in my day-to-day -day life was I actually going to charge this car? So fortunately, I've shared before, my office had free charging at the time. Um and then three months, four months after I bought my car, 2020 hit. So <laughs> we had to uh, <laughs> we had to rethink a lot of that stuff. And there there was some points there where I'm like, this is just a complete pain charging this car. <laughs> yeah. And it was like never anything yeah. where I was like, I got to get rid of this thing. But it was some days where I'm like, I don't want to go charge my car right now. That's not something I even want to think about having to worry about. So I think a lot of people in similar situations are like – I don't want that to be a burden on my day either. And it, and it shouldn't, yeah. right? If we have the charging infrastructure set up correctly, we've got chargers everywhere people park, like it's not going to become, uh, it's not going to be a burden on people. But I think there is still for a, a majority, not a, maybe not a majority of the population, but a significant chunk, it's, it is a burden to charge your car for some people. So until oh, we come overcome that, I think it's going to be, it's going to be tough to be like, okay, yeah, 90% <laughs> of people now have EVs. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I absolutely. I mean, you hit it right on the head with living in an apartment and not having, you know, like access to charging. Right. Yeah, you know, well, later on, you obviously got it in your garage via you know, like a <laughs> right. level one charger. But, you know, it's still it was still totally doable for you. But I definitely think that that's going to be a massive hurdle for that's going to hurt EV adoption is if we can't get the drivers who live in, you know, multifamily housing access to charging stations you know thank right. thankfully you know we have orange charger who's working on that which is awesome right. um but yeah that that is such a big big hurdle for some people um one thing i do want to ask because you just went through this with installing your home charger <laughs> and that upfront cost that you had to do right. to you know be able to do that um if you weren't able to financially do something like that were you just going to rely on public charging or like even just do a 110 yeah, I probably just would have done a 110, realistically. Yeah. Um, yeah, luckily, I don't know if I'll spoil it for everybody, but the <laughs> my home charging <laughs> upgrade costs a lot. Um, I don't think I, I did a whole YouTube video on it, so we'll link that below. But um, oh, And we did an episode on it. We talked about it. That's right. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. everybody yeah. here should be caught up if you're a true yeah. electric fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, we... Uh, Obviously, it was it was around five thousand dollars to upgrade our garage to be you know EV ready, if you will, for the bigger panel, bigger wire run out there, all that stuff. Um, obviously, a big upfront cost. You know, that's a that's a down payment on a car for for a lot of cars. So it's <laughs> a pretty big chunk. Um, but yeah, if if I didn't have the means to do that, it would probably have been you know just just public charging and, and level one charging. That was obviously getting the job done at our old apartment. And we just had to intersperse some some supercharger trips occasionally. Um, but down in the area we're at now, superchargers are not as close as they were before. We've got an EVgo yeah. station that's kind of close, um, but I've got free supercharging. So <laughs> it's generally yeah. better to go to those. <laughs> you want to utilize that. Yeah, want to <laughs> utilize that. Um, but yeah, like since we moved in, I'm trying to think if we've even hit a supercharger at all besides like some of the long trips we've taken. Like like week to week unless we are like traveling out of state we have not stopped at a supercharger so like i think just the the time return on that where it's like sometimes i would have to go stop at a charger yeah. like throughout my day or my errands or whatever i think just the time alone on that it's it's going to be worth it kind of long term so definitely yeah. but yeah again another another kind of hurdle for people if they're like looking at their home charging situation they get a quote from an electrician and it's you know six grand to upgrade something that's asking a lot for just kind of a normal driver that's maybe just looking to buy a new car like yeah maybe the dealership throws in some fee like that but you don't want to like <laughs> you don't want to you don't want to like put that upon yourself to be like oh if i buy this car then i've got to buy this and i've got to upgrade this and it's like can kind of spiral from there so yeah yeah. And, and, you know, not to, not to be like a Debbie Downer too, you know, in some instances you may never see that money back. Like even if you are saving money driving an EV, that right. front, yeah. upfront investment, you may never, you know, see a return on that. So. Yeah. It can be a lot. And there's, there's like, uh, cause, uh, is it David from RV was on with orange as well? Um, that had, the, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, yeah. his product is really neat too because it's like i think there are a lot of creative solutions where it's like you don't necessarily need to like upgrade your panel panel and do something drastic just to like add ev charging like it can be a simple solution like orange is a great example like level one charging is sometimes enough to get the job done like it doesn't need yeah. to be this crazy expensive solution and i think we've got a lot of creative things that have 
come out of this whole EV revolution that are really neat, all these energy management solutions and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly like, you know, the more we talk about this and like the more we get into this industry, it really has fascinated me just how many, you know, like energy and electric management, like uh, hardware and, you know, technologies there are out there. Right. It just blows my mind. You know, like yeah. it's never, it's when I first started with Tesla, it's never something that crossed my mind. I'd be like, oh, there's always going to be outlets that you can plug <laughs> into, you know, like there's right. just those assumptions, but it really is amazing how far we've come in such a short time. Right. And the thing I tell everybody too, it's like my my big thing, just being an electrical nerd, being an electrical engineer, it's like <laughs> electricity is everywhere. Like that is the that is the big advantage we have with EVs over some other like alternative fuels. It's like yes, maybe like burning coal isn't great, but like electric the electrical system we built in the US is insane. Like like obviously it still has its problems and like we'll talk about kind of utility upgrades in a second, but like <laughs> The fact that we even have, like, every home in the U.S. is electrified is pretty amazing. And the fact that we can get electricity everywhere, like, relatively easily may, might, yeah. not be the, might not be the power we need. But, like, the fact that it's out there and you can literally plug your car into the wall and charge it is pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> like, wouldn't have even been thought about, I think, like, at least in kind of the modern era. <laughs> like, back, yeah. back, you know, 34 years ago. So Definitely. Yeah, it really is amazing how far we've come. I mean, and there's just so much more to come, too. Right, right. Yeah. So speaking of that, uh, you want to touch on utility infrastructure and uh, electrical infrastructure? Yeah, you want to take this one? You're, you're the expert on yeah. utility infrastructure. <laughs> oh, totally. Yeah, I know everything about this. <laughs> Some call me an expert. <laughs> <laughs> well, from my know, for what I know from Facebook comments is that the infrastructure and grid is going to fail. Um, yeah. So I do know that. Um, it, that was sarcasm, if you couldn't tell. <laughs> But no, I think I think you definitely have way more experience with this. <laughs> I am curious from like your perspective though, like like we did this kind of role playing on a, on a previous episode, but like what is your kind of thoughts on like upgrading the electrical system or like what is that, you know, any thoughts on that for people that kind of have that that concern or misconception? Yeah. Um, well, I, I think that it's necessary that there's going to have to be improvements. Um, and I, I mainly say that not from the fact that like, you know, if I plug in my car, like a concern that if I plug in my car, it's going to like fry our entire, you know, like, ne like our infrastructure here in Cleveland. Like I'm not, <laughs> right. I'm not super yeah. concerned about that, but I'm talking about like some of the other instances, you know, like we get really bad wind here which can mm. knock out power lines, you know, trees fall all the time, which can knock out power lines. Right. Um, and, and at, at points, you know, like, uh, at the beginning of January, we had a massive tree fall down the street and we lost power for 16 hours. Yeah. And, um, it's pretty frequent that we get brownouts throughout the summertime when people are using their AC units and, you know, like, uh, uh usage is pretty high, um, to see instances like that. But that's where I'm like, I, I don't have the background knowledge of exactly what needs to be improved other than just putting wires under the ground so trees can't <laughs> fall on them and when you know right. they can't blow over power lines but yeah. like um other than that I I'm not exactly sure what could be improved um, yeah yeah 
Yeah, it's a whole, I think it's a multifaceted, complicated issue. Like, there's a lot of nuance to, like, oh, the grid needs improved. Okay, like, what does that mean exactly? How? Like, is that, <laughs> yeah, how? Like, what actually needs done? So I think there's, you know, continued investments from electrical companies. There's continued, you know, federal funding, state funding to upgrade electrical grids. Like, it's happening already all the time. Like I used to work for a utility, like a lot of our work goes unnoticed because people just count on the power being on, right? Yeah. Like you're yeah. like any given day you wake up and you flip on the light switch, you're assuming that light's gonna come on, right? Like you don't even think about it. <laughs> yeah. It's never, it's not like, it's not something you think about till that light doesn't come on. And then it's like, yeah. what the heck is going on? It's like <laughs> the reliability on our, our uh, electrical grid is like pretty high compared to some other like industries. Like, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of like things that do need fixed from the, you know, starting from the generation side, we need more renewables. We need more battery storage. Yeah. We need like a lot of that stuff to just make our grid cleaner. Um, transmission lines need upgraded. We've seen that in California. It's like, they have very outdated, just transmission lines that need replaced, need upgraded. Um, at the local level, we need, you know, newer transformers. We need, like you said, like maybe some more underground lines so that the trees don't follow them. Like there's, there's all kinds of things that need fixed and it's just going to take, you know, a big workforce, a big, uh, <laughs> big investment to make all those things happen. But we've seen, you know, energy growth continue to, or energy demand continue to grow. We've seen, you know, our electrical grid continue to grow, um, We've had problems like this in the past when like air conditioning was becoming a thing and we all started getting AC units and pulling way more energy than <laughs> than, than in previous years. And yeah. our grid adapted and grew and did all this stuff. So I think it's just getting smart about, you know, do we have enough money to support that growth? I think is, is just being smart about it. I don't think we should ever like ask people to give up their way of life or use use less energy or like do all this stuff. There's, there's certainly like advantages that come with that, but I think it's all, it's all things that can be fixed and improved and, you know, grown. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. That that's, um, I, I do want to drop, uh, you know, a life hack in a way, if, if you are <laughs> looking to save electricity or, you know, at least, at least costs on electricity you know, on your, your monthly bill, Tyler and I do these nights called, I call them dark nights where we essentially turn off all the lights in our house as well as like any any like TV anything, and we just light candles, and we just sit in the dark, and we'll obviously use our phones, but like <laughs> it's but it's it's a nice way to just like we normally do it like in the spring when it's like a nice warm evening, you know, like even even in the summertime where we'll just open the windows, turn off the AC, you know, and just kind of like drop our usage a little bit. Yeah, and um and I mean it, we haven't really noticed like a massive impact on our electricity bill, but it still is almost. Like like a good feeling to like not right. be part of the problem during the yeah. summer months but <laughs> it's no that's fair um and we've talked about on previous episodes too it's like the nice thing about evs especially like now that i have proper like home charging i'm really realizing how fast ev charging actually is like mm -hmm. my car like mallory got home around like 5 p.m um or sorry she got home around 6 p.m it's currently 8 um, and my car only has, you know, another hour and a half to charge up and be, you know, yeah. ready to drive tomorrow. And it's, uh, it's going to sit, it's going to finish charging around, you know, nine thirty, ten o'clock. 
and it's going to sit there until 8 a.m. the following morning. So it's going to be sitting there with a full battery, you know, for how long is that? You know, 10 hours. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, there is absolutely like you can spread that charge out over time. You could delay that charging like demand doesn't necessarily need to like we're we can this is something we can control i guess is what i'm getting at like it doesn't necessarily need to be like okay everybody's plugging their cars at 5 p.m we've spiked the electrical needs we've (laughs) like blown up the grid all this demand is coming it's like i think just like the apartment example we got to get smarter about like when we're actually turning on and turning off these certain electrical these pieces of electrical equipment it's just like that's kind of all it is at the end of the day (laughs) so yeah Yeah. just being smart about that stuff well actually you you did bring up a a threat that we didn't have on our list is people's behaviors um Mm. and and i'm gonna say that lightly you know i'm not trying to like accuse anybody of like having like you know bad behavior or anything like that (laughs) but like but but it you know like as you mentioned you don't like you mentioned, like having people give up their way of life to accommodate like a certain type of, you know, like demand or like the way they use electricity or like so forth. Right. You know, a lot of people may not even think of stuff like that. You know, right. they it's just not part of their day to day to, you know, unplug their car now or lower like, you know, like the, um, you know, like whatever, whatever I'm trying to say. It's, it's yeah. been a long day. But, you know, like just mindful of like changing their their habits when it comes to energy, you know, right. and, I, and I think a lot of things, too, is that a lot of people don't realize just how much control they can have over their energy management. And I right. think that that's going to be something that people have to learn over time. Cause I think a lot of people is like, Oh, I just paid that utility bill. That's, that's something they can worry about. That's not me. I'm going to, you know, take little Timmy to soccer or something like that. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, think I, I just think like average people may not like think of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're blessed in, in Ohio to have, you know, consistent electricity rates for most of the day too. I don't know how it is mm-hmm. in Cleveland. Does first energy have the- like, peak demand they, rates they do. or anything like that they do have okay. a time of use but i we're not part of that so like yeah, we exactly. haven't signed up for it like you have to sign up for the program right so like i think that's a better way to incentivize it too to be like i'm surprised like more utilities haven't rolled out like an ev charging program where it's like buy our charger like we'll help you install it we will you know it's obviously more demand for or more energy for us we can sell you more power it's great for us um and then uh, the trade-off is let us control that charger where it's like, okay, demand event's coming. Let's throttle this charger down. Or, you know, we're still going to have your car charged by the morning, but it's going to start charging at 10 p.m. instead of mm. 6 p.m. when you get home. So I think there's a lot of ways to kind of control driver behavior there that isn't, like, in your face. Like, you're not allowed to charge your car. Like, that's, no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's an awful <laughs> way to go about it. Um and I think we saw that a few months ago in, like, California. It was, like, California's all pro-EVs. And then, like, I had multiple people tell me, like, what do you, like, why are, why is California telling people not to charge their cars when they're, like, all pro-EV? It's, like, that is just such a bad look. Like. <laughs> yeah. It, it really is. Yeah. So. Yeah. And we even got that with that winter storm that hit us at, around Christmas time. You know, like, mm. AEP was telling people to, like, you know, lower their usage of electricity, unplug lights, you know, like, right. exterior lights and whatever. And we, we had a few friends mentioned, oh, you know, like electric cars are the future, huh? You know, and it's like, well, you just have to be mindful of this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. that's it's it's such a learning curve. And I think that that's something that we're all still going to have to learn is that Definitely. this is still so new for some people. But, right. 
Yeah, but it it is definitely a bad look when your state is pushing EVs <laughs> and then they tell you not to charge EV your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that that is something that I think a lot some people might think of it like as an overreach is like you know for example like um, I think you had that experience where with your Nest thermostat the yeah. utility essentially like like what I forget what they did what they do like turn up the temperature or something like that. It was like a I forget they called it like rush event or something like that it was basically like a demand response event where it's like the power grid was using more than it had capacity to do so we're going to turn everybody's thermostats up a little bit so like instead of being set at you know 70 it was set at 72 like just a few degrees was enough to you know adjust the hvac units and not use much energy yeah so yeah but that's still that's still you know can make people pretty upset that's not the term i was going to use but that can still make people <laughs> pretty upset you know where where it's like almost like an inconvenience for them but yeah. i i think that this is that well that's another hurdle too is that some people might think it's an inconvenience but it is it's a learning curve you know yeah. once you get into it and become more familiar with just how both your ev is you know your uh, electric vehicle ownership can be as well as energy management i think people will just get used to it over time but right it's new it's right. it can be scary for some people and the thing i think we're we're really headed towards and i kind of hope we do just as a mm. you know as a society in the u.s is like um just more mm. rooftop solar and like home battery setups too it's like that seems like such a simple like solution to get around like energy demand and like backup power and all this stuff. Like you see that throughout like rural Ohio, people have like generator backups. They have mm -hmm. a plug on the outside of their house. They can put some gas in it and, <laughs> you know, power their house for a few hours if they lose power. So I think even like, you know, the independence of Americans, like kind of pushing that stuff more as well it's like okay yeah like you can be completely you know independent just use the grid when you like if you need it but like you yeah. can be essentially independent from needing any of that stuff so obviously Definitely. that comes with a cost right now though right like home solar yeah. and battery and all that stuff is still pretty expensive in the in the grand scheme of things so yeah well i i do have one way uh, one thing that we're doing in uh, around the holiday times this year we're getting one of those big battery packs i think it uh, i think we're going with the jackery that's the brand that we're looking at and oh, okay. you can get like a, a foldable solar power like briefcase yeah. and i plan on powering all of our holiday lights off of solar so like throughout oh, the day nice. i'll charge with the battery pack then at night i'll just plug them in using the battery pack and just run it off of that Perfect. and then charge it up the next day so there you go We'll, we'll nice. see how that goes, but that's my experiment. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, even like how much is that Jackery battery unit? It's like $800, yeah. the one that we're looking at. Yeah. And then you but have the can, solar like, panels and all that stuff. So Yeah. 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 So I think all in all, it's like $1,100. So it's okay. it's expensive. The, you yeah. know, the, the thing is, is that there's still so much room for improvement to make this more accessible for people, right. you know, of all incomes. And mm -hmm. I, I think that that's, that's a major hurdle until the technology can be a little bit more cost effective. Right. That's going to be a big threat. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, anything else we're, we're missing here? I think we missed a couple on the list. I've got cold weather range is one of them, um, which personally I think has gotten like is not as big of an issue as I think some people really think. I know we've both taken, you know, some long distance trips and it affects the range, but it's not like unusable unless you are truly doing a long haul trip in the winter, which I know yeah. personally, I don't know 
how you feel, but I don't like taking long distance road trips when it's, you know, 15 degrees outside. <laughs> I like no. a nice warm, sunny day for, for long distance driving. Yeah. I, I think um, regardless, if I'm in an EV or a gas powered vehicle, I don't like winter road trips. They're, yeah. They are too dangerous for me. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but that's one of them. I think companies are continuing to improve that stuff though. So it's not necessarily, I don't think it's as big a threat as I think some other people are, you know, making it sound like um mm. especially in the u.s where it's like most of our most of the country doesn't get incredibly cold we've got you know some northern states that can get down pretty cold but it's not like consistent i think canada yeah. and like some other countries like that get a lot worse <laughs> so yeah yeah. Um, yeah well with climate change we'll see how that changes <laughs> so right. yeah because yeah, yeah. it's been a pretty mild winter it was like 60 degrees up here yesterday and now yeah. we're supposed to get snow and rain this weekend it's been like right. that for the past month so yeah it's wild it's yeah. swinging all over the place but yeah. um and i think the last one we missed was towing and hauling um so like trucks especially we've seen ev electrified trucks be really popular in recent years and as some youtube videos and just like people have pointed out like towing things and hauling things really does put a damper on on range so I think that potentially for, you know, people with work trucks or whatever else trying to transition to EVs could be, you know, something that holds them back right now. So definitely. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see how the towing capacity improves Yeah, with, you know, with both semi trucks and pickup trucks. Right. But, and I, and I think with a lot of these, we've, we've kind of like alluded to it throughout the show, but it's like with a lot of these, like, uh, some of these problems, like end up with some very creative solutions so like the you know the utility infrastructure that's like managing when you're charging with like towing and hauling we're seeing like some trailers now have either batteries in them or like a small motor to like reduce the amount of energy you're using to pull the trailer um that's built into the trailer so like there's there's some interesting solutions that are coming out of that um that I'm sure we'll see over the coming years. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. definitely. Yeah. I mean, that's the best part of all this is that innovation is going to win at the end of this. So, right. Or at right. the end of the day, yeah. innovation is going to win. Right. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm definitely, I'm getting to that point of the recording where I'm starting to fade and all my words are starting <laughs> to get twisted up a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think you even mentioned at the beginning of this episode, you know, all of these threats and like, well, threats, yeah. problems, Threats you know, they have, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, I feel like that's such an intense word to use, Yeah. but I, I don't want to steal your thunder, so I'll let you say it, since you <laughs> had a really great idea at the beginning of it. <laughs> yeah, so the thing is here, like, these are, like you said, threats is kind of aggressive, but like, all of these problems is really what these are at the end of the day, like, they're all solvable, like, there are creative solutions, like, some things we haven't even thought of yet that will come out that are able to, you know, help fix or at least alleviate some of these problems like i don't think there's any silver bullet here that's like oh like this one thing is gonna completely stop like widespread ev adoption i think there's just a lot of stuff here that just needs improved or tweaked or adjusted to really you know be feasible for on a wide scale so i think it's all you know all possible with enough time and money right so yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly yeah especially money <laughs> right so especially money you can do anything but, for a price is what I tell people. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> but well, 
I, I want to hear from you guys as well. You know, if there's any any threats or any problems that you think are going to hold up EV adoption, let us know. Right. Uh, you know, either send us an email or, you know, let us know on our many social pages, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Right. We want to hear about it. So Definitely. I know we've got a lot of EV fanatics that are, are listening, but I know we've also got some that are just kind of EV curious or just getting into the, the space. So I think hearing from from that group would be great to know you know what's holding you back from getting an ev is there a specific thing is it a mix like definitely want to hear your thoughts so let us know and we'll talk about it on the next episode